It's November 20th, and it's the last episode of the 2017 season of the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. I'm Pius Wong, interdisciplinary engineer and host of this show. And in this final episode of season two, educator Rachel Farrick joins me again to co-host in a tech-oriented side of town in Austin, Texas. We have a chat about school improvement as well as other news. I believe we're on. All right. We are on. Look, look, blue I lines. See, I can see my electronics. It's like a pregnancy test. There's blue lines. I'm not familiar. <laughs> But <laughs> welcome to the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. I'm Pius Wong. And I'm Rachel Farrig. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, Pius. It's been a little while since you've been on the uh, podcast. Yeah, it's uh, been more than a couple of months, I think. Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, we've had a whole bunch of cool guests this yes. year, yes. including you and Southern. Aw, thank you. But I um, think other yeah, guests are cooler will. than me. Like who? Who's Southern? <laughs> All right. <laughs> He'll be back on, yes. on the show at some good, point. Good, good. We're rounding out the rest of the season. Yes. And I'm glad you're here to help me wrap it up. I am always happy to be here. Cool. We wanted to talk about a couple things, I think. I think so. What's the biggest one? You know what's on my mind. Biggest one. You know what's on my mind. Do I know what's on your mind? South by. Okay, yes, yes. I do know that that's on your <laughs> okay. mind. Okay. What about South by? What's well, the news? <laughs> I, I didn't well, officially announce it. we have a couple it. of pieces. No, you haven't. So you should announce it. It's your podcast. Well... I did announce before, well, both of us, Rachel and I, we announced that we applied to be a part of South by Southwest again mm -hmm. for 2018. Yes. And we asked for your help to vote for us for our proposals for sessions. Uh, and we, drumroll, we got, we got in. in. Yay! So thank you so much. Thank to, you all so much. You watched oh, our videos. Yeah. You voted. Yes. You spread the word via social networking, via mouth, whatever you did. Via mouth. Thank you. That's <laughs> word of mouth. Word of mouth. <laughs> whatever. I like that. I'm going to use via mouth. <laughs> via word of mouth. Yeah. We got in. And, and what are we doing? Well, we're going to talk about podcasting as an educational platform. Yes. That's one of our We have a meetup there, right? Yes. We're going to meet other people yes. who... Yes, people who are interested in podcasting, yeah. want to learn more about it, not network STEM, with right? other podcasters. Not just No, not at all. And then... We've got another session, a workshop, yes. where people will come in and we're going to work with another colleague, Amar. So Rachel, Amar, and I, we're going to teach participants how to use principles of both good engineering design and good improv theater to create innovative lessons in your classroom. Yes, lessons that are aligned to student needs, that are aligned to standards, that yeah. meet uh, multiple learning needs, uh, can be implemented in diverse um, learning environments. Totally. So you should go to South by Southwest EDU. Yes. Uh, go to the website. I think it's South by SXSWEDU.org, something like that. Oh, we should probably look that up. That website is actually sxswedu.com, everyone. So go check out our two sessions, and we hope you join us in Austin, Texas in March. And, you know, I was just telling Rachel before we turn on the mic that um, I got here a little early to do some work on my computer. Yep. And I'm sitting up in the Whole Foods of Austin on the north side of town. Whole Foods. 
on the oh, second floor. Second floor cafe. Yeah. And you can hear the background music and around us there are people Let who are... Let them listen. Hold on. <laughs> Y'all listen to this. I don't know if it's that clear. Probably not. There's music. There's music. There's people talking, hanging out, eating. Whole Foods has food it's, here. But it's not noisy. It's no. ambient. It's cool. Yeah. And we're sitting in front of plate glass windows looking out into the city and we see some city lights. They're in front of me. I'm thinking like before Rachel got here, I'm like, dang, I'm in Austin, Texas, in a tech town, in a tech building around tech people. Whole Foods was just recently bought by Amazon. Yes. We are 20 feet, 20 feet sitting next to an Amazon locker yep. where people can get stuff delivered same day. Yes. I see National Instruments right across the highway, right there. Right over there. Yeah. They create... It's to our two, for those of you who want a visual. Yeah, yeah. And they create, you know, visual programming software, educational software, yep. engineering software. I see HomeAway right there. That's at our 11. New tech company changing the way people vacation. Yes. I see WeWork. I was just there the other day. Is that the that's the shared co-working, um, co-working yep. space? It's yeah. one of several in Austin. Oh, they're beautiful too. I, I met the CEO of a startup, tech startup from San Francisco there just like two days ago there. Nice. He started the league, which is like this dating Interesting. <laughs> company. Yeah. And like you Make meet note. people that never never would I have thought that I would meet the CEO of a dating company founder. Right, sure. And then right next to it is Atkins. Atkins. They're yep. a civil engineering firm, Gerald Rackley the civil engineer who was on this podcast a little while ago he's from there we got there civil so engineering many software tech places so um there's a a medical uh oh yeah prosthetics prosthetics company. yeah place. yeah they're Over, nearby here down they're nearby here a couple blocks away uh, yeah just on the other side of that building and yep. two blocks yep. down and right there down if we look to our yeah. right on the first level there is uh spun which is a food truck so austin that serves liquid nitrogen ice cream and ice I feel like cream. that's Frozen like with liquid nitrogen bringing tech to food and I, tech. I, I love that so you know what I was telling Rachel I, I love this I do and it's not too far from there are a couple of uh, University of Texas research campuses near here yeah yeah where they yeah. they do I've, I know that they do some Navy research here oh and gosh. secret research that we can't talk about <laughs> Secret research that we don't actually know about. Yes. So, thank you for listening to all our conversations, all our guests from both inside Texas, inside Austin, and outside. Yes. I think that the people here really care about tech, yes. engineering, and educational policy. Yes. I mean, South by Southwest EDUs here every year. I think this city is awesome for this topic. It's super supportive. Yeah, yeah. And they're laid back, and I love that. And they want to learn. Right. So thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks, listeners. So, Rachel, one of the things that I was wondering about uh, has to do with something that I've been seeing in my local news a lot lately. Mm -hmm. There are sometimes so-called underperforming schools sure. where... Maybe kids aren't meeting standardized test scores, or maybe they, the schools are under-enrolled. And one of the solutions that I've heard tossed around as a possible way to bring these schools back up is to implement maybe a STEM focus in these schools, or bring these special programs like robotics programs or some other kind of engineering-oriented program, computer yeah. science. Yeah. And they think that, okay, bringing these hands-on 
tech-oriented subjects into these schools might, I don't know, turn it around, bring right. kids into the fold, make them improve their test scores, all that stuff. Sure. Is this a pipe dream? Is there actual truth to this? I'm asking you because you are an experienced educator, and I think you heard more about this than I, than I have. Sure. So. What I will say is that uh, the idea of school improvement or the practice of school improvement is not, there's no, there's no one right way, there's no simple solution, there's no magical potion or spell that you can impart on a campus, to, I know, uh, to take it from what we here in Texas call improvement required to meeting standard. Is that like the grade that you give to schools? Yes, yes. Okay. So improvement required means that they have not met, uh, they have not met a certain level of achievement in multiple areas. And you have to meet three out of four, essentially, to be, uh, to be designated as having met standard. Okay. And it's kind of a complicated, uh, how, we, how it's calculated is super complicated. Yeah. Um, but then understanding it does take a little bit of research and knowledge and some conversations with um, administrators and you know data personnel either at the campus or district level. But essentially, a school that has not met uh, a certain number of um, qualifying domains will be in need of improvement. Yeah. And the way to get schools to that level of meeting standard is so um, really personalized. Yeah, because you said, okay, it's not. It one could way. be a large urban school, it could be a small sure. urban school, it sure. could be a charter school, it could be a small rural school. Huh. Um, there are so many different ways that that can look. And there are some commonalities among campuses that do require improvement. Sometimes it has to do with um, a lack of aligned or really high quality curriculum. Sometimes it has to do with the level of instruction that's in place. Sometimes there are campus leadership uh, policies and procedures that just aren't systemically strong enough to maintain uh, a focus on continuous improvement. Sometimes there's a lack of monitoring. That sounds like a very polite way of saying that. It's That's some admin need of it reminds me yeah. of when I worked at my old company mm -hmm. in industry, in engineering industry, and everyone gets graded uh, meets expectations, yep. needs improvement, yes. or exceeds expectations. Yes. Okay. And probably there's a disproportionate I'm guessing at your your old place of employment, you would probably see a disproportionate number of managerial and administrative staff who were exceeding expectations. I, I, I don't know. This was back when I was like, you know, level one engineer. Oh, and, gotcha. Uh, and so it's, and anytime, I mean, when you're dealing with education, these are humans, adult humans, yeah. dealing with young humans, children humans. So even the adult humans on the campus are still guided and constrained 
by adult humans at the district level or um, at the school board level, which is sort of affiliated with the district, but they're a governing body rather than an instructional and administrative body. They might be guided and constrained by community members who want to see a certain vision from that school for their children. They might be guided and constrained by state statute. Maybe maybe there are um, certain initiatives that the school would like to engage in that simply aren't possible. Um, So the the arena of school improvement is always super-duper complicated. But one of the commonalities that I have seen for schools that have turned around or have improved themselves is, yes, having an aligned, rigorous, um, societally and uh, future, uh, forward-looking, I guess, curriculum. So teaching their kids how to be ready for what may be coming up ahead, even if we don't know what that looks like. Exactly. STEM, STEM, computer programming, problem-solving is a huge one. Um, The ability to apply mathematical skills to real-world situations and scenarios. Um, So I have seen those types of cross-curricular STEM programs work to help improve schools. But it's not like this But it isn't the the solution. Right. Right. I don't think, though, that I would ever deter a school who is looking at improvement efforts. Uh Um, If they say, we want to take a strong STEM focus, I think I would encourage that. Doesn't matter the type of school. It's still possible. It's possible. It's relevant. It's important. It's simple. simple. It does not necessarily take all of the highest tech equipment. You don't need a maker space um, to get your kids focused on the types of activities, the habits of mind, mm-hmm. the, um, the types of thinking that they would engage in sure. in those STEM programs. And also engaging in STEM applications and STEM curriculum invites teachers to change their instruction as well. If your students are really engaged in a strong STEM program, they're active, they're doing things, they're applying things, they're sure. making things. You cannot you be... You teach the same way. No. We, yeah. You can't stand at the front of the room and just lecture and have PowerPoints and anticipate that your students will have the depth of knowledge that comes from them truly yeah. um, interacting so, with science and technology and engineering and math. The question that came to my mind as you said said that was for schools that you've seen that have implemented these programs to try to improve you know their kids' performance. Yeah. How long does it take for to see a a gain? Because it, it sounds nice, like you start yeah. teaching STEM, yes, but like, exactly. that, that's what I wonder. And a lot of that truly depends on adult behaviors. There's a lot of variables. There are, okay. yeah. almost countless variables. When, when you said that, I was thinking, oh man, this is like the same complications and criticisms that people say when you grade an individual student. Yes. A student has all this complexity and yes. stuff going on. Yes. And it, even if they're failing math and English, maybe they're great in some other thing. And you're making me think, okay, a school has like hundreds more 
you know, right? facets to yes. itself. It's made up of hundreds of individuals, so they also have strengths and weaknesses. And even if they're quote unquote not meeting these standards or failing, right? They, <laughs> I, I think I understand. There are more still what you probably mean. things yeah. that they do well. But it's, it's a matter right of yeah. leveraging and monitoring and um, amplifying those things and applying them across multiple areas to ensure that the things that are going well get applied in other areas to bring them up or to change them. So let me ask you a challenging question. Uh-oh. If it's hard to grade schools yes. or districts yes. for, for all the reasons we've said, why do districts and, and governments and whoever, why do they do that? Just like we talk about grading kids, I'm curious, like what's the argument? So there are, there are certain federal and state guidelines in place that require that schools um, need to be able to measure themselves against other schools and measure themselves against themselves, essentially. Like change over time? Change over time, but change more, uh, more, uh, no, well, yes, and, uh, yes, and, and, uh, also change as compared to how other districts and campuses are changing. Um, The standards are set uh, essentially by state legislature um, and other governing bodies, both at the federal and state level. And this isn't just in Texas. Right, right. Um, And then schools, those metrics are passed on to schools, to districts, even, I mean, to the public. This is all public information. Mm -hmm. So everyone knows where they need to be and where they are. Mm -hmm. But... The complicated work is in getting there and in understanding why those standards, uh, those those metrics, rather, exist. How right. were they developed? What do they mean? And that is somewhat hard to articulate. Um, a lot of it has to do with post-secondary placement, whether a student is going on to college, okay. the military, a vocational career, um, you know, what? what is it that they're doing after high school graduation? Right, right, right. Um, so that is, that's one of the areas that is, is measured. Um, readiness for college career, military, whatever is coming up next, yeah. really is kind of the end point for the backward design that, that occurs for, the state level on yes, for okay. calculating what are the other, you know, how do we measure that readiness? And that's what the other checkpoints really kind of are. So do you think engineering and STEM and computer science, that better prepares schools and districts to meet these standards? I think so. And this is just in my experience because there's so much overlap. There's so much cross-curricular learning that occurs in order to be able to adequately write uh, a finalized engineering report for example you have to have strong English language arts skills you can't effectively communicate 
what you did, where you failed, what you changed, how you improved, and here's the final product, unless you're a good writer. Mm -hmm. Um, In order to demonstrate to someone how your product works, you might need to be able to explain the mathematics behind it. Um, even including the arts, which, you know, that's one of my things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Being able to draw diagrams or uh, visually represent something, it's an engineering skill, but it's also an artistic ability. Um, You're really putting up a good case here, Rachel, so (laughs) I am convinced. I guess engineering classes really can be used as a tool to kind of... I think so. I think... a community of... There's certainly... There's it, there's certainly an yeah. argument Even for it. Even if it's it. not a silver bullet. Yes. What and are, I think that it, it extends far beyond the classroom. Mm-hmm. Being able to bring in community members and family members, not only to showcase students' work, but to have hands-on collaboration between students like, and industry mm-hmm. professionals. What else do you need in addition to just having a STEM program? And I guess community involvement is one yes. of them to turn a school huge. around. Huge. Yes. You're saying he, like one of the most important. All the stakeholders have to buy in. Okay. They have to be involved. They have to be supportive. Okay. When you are turning around a school, especially schools that have been struggling for a long time, mm-hmm. the when the community is jaded or when adults start giving up, it's a big problem, and you can't turn around a school where the adults have already given up. So yeah. having that external support and by support I don't mean here's some money or we'll send you a mentor (laughs) I mean day to day working alongside the school like volunteering for things yes yes sitting with their kids yes cheering on at the robotics competition yes exactly and sometimes just even being visible being seen being available can be a huge step in supporting the activities that are going on in those schools. Is there anything else? Like, What else would you say is key like in conjunction with community support and a good curriculum to turn a school around? Communication. Everyone has to be on the same page. And again, I think it comes down to a lot of adult behaviors. Leaving egos out of it and focusing on what is best, what is right, what will work. And what will translate into long-term sustainability and success? Like what's super important? Not to give specifics or anything, but like, what would an example look like? Like, um, so so, I will say I've worked in a lot of struggling schools. I've worked in a lot of Title One schools. I've worked in alternative environments um, Mm -hmm. that included secure treatment facilities. In all of those environments, you're dealing with students who already struggle in school, may not like school, have aversion for one reason or another. It sometimes happens that their parents or grandparents or both also had poor experiences in school. Either it was hard, they didn't like their teachers, they didn't like their school, They felt ostracized, they felt unimportant, they felt degraded. Those adult mindsets or experiences do carry on to that younger generation. 
you're not going to be able to get those parents or family members to participate at the school in academic activities because they're uncomfortable. It's not that they don't want to, but it's um, really intimidating. So how hard is it to have an academic night with a social focus out in the community? If you are an urban school and you're surrounded by apartment complexes, have your academic night at one of the clubhouses. Do your principal's coffee on a weekend day instead of... These are solutions of, you've seen yes, do, and they work. Like, you have to work around parents' work schedules. You have to work around their biases. You have to work around their trepidation and their concerns if you really want them to understand education is so different now than it yeah. was 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're different That's we're, why you, we're better okay. I mean right, right, but I, if you cannot meet them where they're at if you cannot go to who and where they are and you and only insist on we're the school you need to come here you probably will not be very successful yeah okay so now all those stories that I hear in the news of parents conflicting with school districts that makes more sense to me now there's some conflict there's some lack of yes. communication yes everybody wants what is best for the kids they really do coming to a common vision of what that looks like and how to achieve it is the harder part and in order to do that no one can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe and say we're only gonna do it this way hmm. even if it's engineering <laughs> Well, I would say if you're going to do engineering, you probably should throw some other things in there, too. Because we're, we're doing this last-ish last episodes of the season, something that came up is like, I guess you were telling me, Rachel, that sometimes people ask, how do you know what to say in a podcast? Oh, yeah. Like what we're doing right now. Like, how do we... So, for example, when I was uh, leaving work today, and it's a Friday... People naturally ask each other, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, well, you know, like every weekend I do stuff with my kid. But tonight I'm meeting up with Pius and we're going to do you, some... Thank you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I said, we're going to record at least one podcast. Uh, we're wrapping up the season and, you know, we have some issues on backlog that we want to go ahead and record and be able to publish. And one of my colleagues said, how do you do that? How do you know what to talk about? How do you guys, what? Like, do we what? read off a script? Yes. Do we? Yes, all of that. Like, do you, how do you guys get together and do a podcast? Are we talking on the phone? Are we like, yeah, no. <laughs> so. So how do we do it, Ray? How do we do it? Well, when we first started doing this, uh, you, Pius, would send me, I would ask, for you to send me some guiding questions yeah like like topics topics or, and maybe discussion points that you might like to sure, to yeah, cover yeah, yeah. and i would just read them i would think about them i would kind of maybe formulate some thoughts in my head but i didn't write anything i didn't take notes i just read your email and thought about it yeah and then Usually we would set a time and a date because we do when we report when we record our podcasts, 
we meet up in person. We don't do this virtually or over yeah. the phone or via Skype. I only do it for people who are out of state and everything, but right. we're here. So we're, yeah, well. we don't, yeah, we're close close by each other. We like so. the Whole Foods background music and all that. <laughs> we meet in different places, and that for me is exciting. Um, but we, we usually catch up on what's been going on in our lives, and then we just take a few minutes to kind of verbally outline what we'll say yeah like and then we talk because i don't actually know everything you're gonna say i don't think you know exactly i have no idea what questions are going to be asked of me so i have to be quick on my feet and i think that for me i like that because i want it to be more natural this is not like a script yes it's authentic it's conversational and i like that we're thinking as we're talking sometimes Mm -hmm. um and I say a lot of ums, I've noticed, as you've heard in <laughs> yeah. lots of my episodes. And we've talked about that. Is it, Maybe you should do a podcast on that. On How to avoid ums, likes, and... Technical presentation skills. <laughs> oh, that. that would be a great episode. That would be a good one. Because I've had many You should probably that. write that down. All right, we're so we do notes. a lot of this, too. And that just all gets edited out, usually. Unless that... Yeah. Unless we'll we see. it becomes the focus of a podcast. Right. I want you to look out for a couple of new themes. So Southern, who's not here today, but he uh, is super interested in spearheading a series of episodes all about giving you an introduction to engineering, just pure engineering. It'll be awesome. And I think we're going to start out with mechanical engineering. Okay. So if you want to pre- feel like you're going to mechanical engineering college, getting a bachelor's in engineering without doing all the little detailed work, you can hear about it. And I would say, as the non-engineering guest, even if you're not interested in, or you think you're not interested in mechanical engineering, number one, you probably will be by the end of the podcast, and number two, anytime one of these podcasts is published and there's a launch point for something that is tangentially related... We will probably explore that. Listen to the Engineering Word of the Day podcast as well. Oh, that's a really good one. I love that one. <laughs> you listen to I do. I don't know who this Not is. Not everyone, but I love it. I that's, like words. Oh, I guess words what, are great. You know, I don't know if you noticed, but my Engineering Word of the Day podcast is very much on purpose informal, and the episodes go away. They do. Oh, they, I did not no, know. No, they stay on the internet in a Limited semi-secret time place. Engagement, yeah, guys. That's why if I say something weird, I don't have to be embarrassed about it forever. Oh, then you better listen to it yeah. when it comes out. So engineeringwordoftheday.com and you can learn a new piece a new of jargon engineering word. every single time. I What's love your it. favorite engineering word, Rachel? Um iteration. Thank you. You're Episode welcome. one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Pius. This is always no, such you. a pleasure. And I think that we should do this again. Yes. We'll try it in a of new course. place or a different place. And sure. We'll have more guests signed. And Maybe we cool. can meet up with a prior guest in their workplace and talk about the connection or intersection between technology and social uh, availability. I just made that up. It sounds like... What uh, I mean is we need to meet up with some of these people that have their offices in this particular location. Ah, uh, all right. And, and why? And have some... Yeah, okay. We'll have a beer. Maybe. Talk. 
Yeah. I w- we'll just have tea. We'll just have tea. We'll have tea. No one knows if, if we do or don't, <laughs> so it's okay. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for listening this Thank year. Thank you. And uh, good luck with everything that you yes. do. Next season. There are a number of people who've donated to this podcast and to Pios Labs over the last several months. And I have to say, deeply, genuinely, thank you so much. It means a lot to me that you all are supporting this project and supporting engineering education in general. I hope I can continue producing this show for you for a long time. You want to find notes and links to things Rachel and I mentioned today? Head on over to the podcast website, k12engineering.net. That's k12engineering.net, not .com. And there you can also find transcripts for old episodes. Season one transcripts are all up, and I'll be getting transcripts up for season two soon. Don't miss season three in 2018, and don't miss any other news about what we're up to. You can keep up with us by subscribing to the email newsletter or follow us on Facebook, on Twitter. And if you haven't yet, just subscribe to the podcast itself on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast player over the internet. And finally, please consider supporting the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash Pios Labs. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash P-I-O-S-L-A-B-S. As a thank you to some of my donors, I'm giving away my uh, digital copy of my ebook, Engineer's Guide to Improv and Art Games. So thank you to my Patreon donors, and please check that book out. Our closing music is called Wishing by Soiree, and you can find more music by Soiree on SoundCloud under the username Soiree Beats, or just check out the show notes for a link. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of my independent studio, Pios Labs. This is Pius Wong. Thank you for listening.